Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. I'm your host. This is MJ Network and MJ after my sister, Marsha Joyce, who I miss. And we're going to talk with Pastor Michael Jones, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Christians. This is going to be an important and powerful show. And I see the the lines are starting to light up here. This is good. My Facebook wall is ready for any questions that you have. And welcome back to MJ Network. So glad you have to have you back here. And this is interesting, by the way. Oh, thank you so much, Fran. A pleasant good day to you. Um, thank you so much for having me on your show today. Yeah, this is, you know, I went around, I, I broadcast, I advertised my shows like a month before, and uh-huh. I went into several businesses this week, not too many, you know, the the um, drugs, the, you know, Rite Aid or the baker or whatever, and people were asking me what I was doing. When I told them I was doing this, they thought this is fantastic. So there's wow. a, lot, a lot of yeah, a lot of people. I was surprised. They're very receptive to this. They this is great. So the seven habits of highly effective Christians. What are they, and why did you decide to highlight this particular chapter? Because this is important to me, everyone. Yes, so true. So true. Not just for the times, but you know, just for um, part of our lifestyle, our daily living. It is. It is amazing how. Enhanced relationships have been and continue to be with the understanding of these seven, um, mm-hmm. these seven habits. Well, the so. one, the first thing you you focus on, and I think that's really really important, and it's the first page of it is material success. Why are so many mm-hmm. people so concerned with things and material success and how much money I have and whatever? Why is that so many and why is that focused on? Because I hear it, you know, walking in the street, oh, I want this, or a child says, I want that. I never did that. So why are so many people concerned about that? Yeah, I think the concern is there because we live in such, um, or many people live in such a physical space. They Mm -hmm. always, well, they tend to, to always relate success to the acquisition of physical things and, um, you know, the more they have, then the the school of thought is then that the more successful they are, which, as we know, is sometimes the furthest thing from the truth, because that's gotten people into so much debt, and um, you know, it creates a lifestyle that you know just doesn't go anywhere. It, it has very temporary value at best mm-hmm. um, on the physical side. So in the long run, what is proving to be, um, you know, uh, some type of measure of success can become, you know, detrimental as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. They focus. Now, the other one that I find is very important, you know, just when I get 
get upset. Or if something really bothers you, you stop and you say to yourself, I'm going to pray, I'm going to think about something, I'm going to talk to somebody on God, whatever. So why is spiritual success important? That is important. Yes, spiritual success, um, especially for the believer, is uh, plays a very central role in, in our lives because mm-hmm. although, you know, um, it is probably more virtual for everyone, mm-hmm. it is connected to God and you know, when one stops to connect with, with heaven, where the source of all our power comes from, it overrides physical um, success and everything else, then we start to lose our power to believe in ourselves and in, you know, just um, learning how the blessings from God flows through prayer, because that is, that is the, the central part of the, the central idea of communicating with him and getting the answers to our prayers that, that you know, we, we actually are looking for. Yeah, um, I know. It's, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a second part to that, though. Habit one, the habit of praying yeah. without ceasing. Why do some, not only Christians, other people, pray yeah. as often as they can? And what do they gain when they communicate with God? Because the other day, I was feeling kind of like whatever, and I, and I in the middle of the night I just got up and said something, and I felt better. And whatever was bothering <laughs> me, it was weird because it was something that was really annoying and painful, and I'm going like, okay, I'm going to have a word. You, you need to you need to make me feel better. And it wasn't yeah. perfect, but I was much better after that. So why is that? You pray without ceasing. And why do you often talk to God as often as you can? Because that, that's important. Well, it's 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 vital for um, our daily living is by communicating often with and receiving. We not just pray to convey our thoughts and our feelings and our desires to God, but He also talks to us sometimes, you know, physically, mm-hmm. and other times dreams, and other times we see the answers to our prayers manifest themselves. And, you know, friend, what really gets my attention is we're talking in the Bible about, look, look, we're, we can only imagine how far away from us God is. But mm-hmm. it, it talks, the Bible talks about the fact that when one sparrow falls from the sky, uh, he knows. Mm-hmm. It says that he knows the number of hairs on our heads. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's, that's really amazing because... Before, you know, this whole epidemic, there was over 7.2 mm-hmm. billion people on the planet. And for you to keep track of everyone's prerogatives, to me, that is mm-hmm. some master management, you know, um, practice in place. But God knows it all, and he does it all. So when I think about him mm-hmm. as a source for daily living on that level, I'm totally, totally mesmerized and understand that his word is never flawed, and since it's coming from him, you know, I know that prayer is going to be extremely essential to daily success. Uh, you've got to believe that. You know, if you didn't believe it before this pandemic, you should believe it now because you, you just, I mean, like I said, I was near somebody that had COVID uh, last month. Mm. And I didn't realize that she had it. And I went to call to find out if my glasses were ready to be told that the person that took care of me 
had COVID, I was very blessed that I didn't get it because I was with her for over an hour. It was like, oh, my God, that's just what I yeah. So how do people develop confidence and assurance that they will be successful and learn to be great administrators and, and of the blessings they receive? Well, individuals who pray often um, under the, the first habit is once they pray often, they will find that they will develop the confidence and assurance that they will be successful as they learn mm-hmm. to be great administrators of the blessings they receive. Um, they, they will come to understand that it would not only be foolish but also sinful to request tremendous gain without first having a mission and instructions mm-hmm. coming from the one who grants it. So first we have to understand that, yes, we are privileged to be living on this planet right now, wherever mm-hmm. we live, despite the challenges. But just a mere thought of breathing oxygen that we don't have to pay for is, is just an amazing thing in itself. And once people understand even the things that they take for granted, they'll realize that with God, as he said, all things are possible. Um, A scripture that comes readily is the one that says where two or three are gathered in my name. So Mm -hmm. even when you pray for and pray with others, you know, he, he said, when you're when when they when we're gathered in His name, just two or three people, he said, I'm right there in the midst of them. And then it says, with God, all things are possible, not just some things, mm-hmm. but all things. So if we believe in those promises and pray for a manifestation of you know His presence in mm-hmm. our lives, there is nothing we can accomplish. You know, it's so funny you brought that up. I was um, yeah. I was sitting on a 777, you know, one of those big wide-body planes as I was returning from Dubai um, just a few days ago. And I looked out the window, and I was thinking, this plane holds almost a 1,000 people. Oh, God. <laughs> I said, God is amazing. I was looking at the stewardess when I walked onto the plane, and they had me sitting way towards the back of like row 40-something, and I, I made a joke with her. I said, listen, don't you guys have golf carts on this plane? She laughed and said, why? <laughs> I said, my, my seat is all the way back in 44B, I think it was, and she said, oh, she said, honey, start walking. She said, this plane goes back to 90-something rows. <laughs> said, oh, my gosh. So, Do they fill you know, every single seat? Did they fill every single seat? Not on this trip. You you had a they lot of supposed to, I thought. No, no, they they didn't. But they, you know, they they've got them well spaced out. Some sections were empty. Gave you a lot of resting. Yeah, but they they've exercised all the protocols um, that you could possibly think of, and you had to be approved to be on on flight. You had to get a COVID test before you left and and after you're coming back. So it was quite reassuring to be on on that flight. But, um, you know, we just have to believe in God's promises. And through that, as our faith continues to rise, then we Mm -hmm. will start to see the answers to our prayers coming through. And that that is what's so amazing. So without effective and frequent communication, 
it is going to be difficult, if not impossible, to connect with God and to really understand how we receive our blessings. You know, it's funny because I was watching the news yesterday and I got really disturbed because Southwest Airlines is booking every seat. They're not going to leave oh, really? any out. Gonna, yeah, I think that's dangerous, but that's just my opinion. But habit number two is, and number three are my hardest ones. The habit of loving without condition. How can we learn to love someone despite conditions that often hamper us from engaging in the love for another? And why is this the most, one of the most difficult of the habits of spiritual success to achieve? I, I agree with you 100% that that is perhaps the most difficult habit of you know, um, spiritual success to accomplish because most people tend to love self first. And <laughs> it, is, it is really difficult to um, extend uh, the gift of love to, to others beyond self. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, I, you know, even, even in just small examples, I remember going home the other day and it had started to rain and I was, I was as hungry as a wolf. I'm telling you, I, I felt severe <laughs> hunger. And right on the seat next to me, I had um, I had a, a, a package of pecan twirls. You know those little round mm-hmm. things, and they're sweet and they're filling. And I'm thinking, oh man, I'm gonna enjoy this on my ride. And then I saw a man on the side of the road that had a sign that says, "I am hungry." <laughs> mm. <laughs> And I, I knew that I only had a few seconds at the traffic light, and I, I either would give him the whole package or none at all. So I opened the window. I learned to put my hunger aside and said that, you know what, this gentleman needs it a lot more than I do right now. At least I had the privilege of driving somewhere to get something to eat, and he had nothing. So I had to really put self last and yeah. moved towards, you know, his need to help him out in that period of time. So I gave him the package. I gave him some money. And, you know, um, the Bible said, don't judge, so you don't. I didn't say, well, oh, you know, he's going to buy some alcohol or something. If that was the yeah, case, so be it. That's not my business. So I said to him, I said, would you like something to drink? I said, I only have water. He said, that's fine. So I popped the trunk where I had a couple of cases of water, and I said, take one for yourself. And he looked at me in total, um, you know, unbelief. And I said to him, please, go ahead, take one. And the man, he almost skipped back to his little spot off the sidewalk because he was so elated at the gift. And you know what? After that, I wasn't even that hungry. I just felt good knowing that you know, I was able to help him in the time of his need. And he folded his cardboard and put it off to the side and had himself a feast. So it's by doing Mm -hmm. that we show. And when God blesses us, then we can, it's almost sometimes very immediate that we feel Mm -hmm. where he takes care of our own needs. And my, my hunger at the moment just disappeared until I got to where I wanted to go and, you know, have something to eat myself. But it is it is a very, very difficult process, especially since God has told us to, you know, love others as we love ourselves. Now, 
that really comes with a lot of different extensions. I see people who, you know, they, they will beat each other and, and curse at each other. Uh, yeah. A person never, you never find someone waking up in the mornings, looking at the mirror and, and cursing at themselves or beating themselves. And it, it just makes me realize how much people love themselves. They will comb their hair, nice clothes, nice perfume and, and, and cologne, yet they go out and they slander people with their tongues, you know, they they beat them with their fists or with, you know, foreign objects. And and that's what God was talking about. He said, love one another as I have loved you. He, he wasn't selective in his love for that. It was a blanket statement and followed through by blanket action when his son died on the cross. So I was extremely excited to, you know, really write about that because it, it, it helped me to learn. And, and what people don't understand, or, or they do but forget sometimes, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. we were created in the likeness of God, who is, who is also defined as love. So when he gave us his command, not just advice, but command or recommendation, but a command is that, we have to not only understand to love, but how to love and be loved was, you know, is clearly given when he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is also equally important when he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And this is found in Matthew 22, verses 37, 38, and 39. So he not just gives you the action words to love, but he also shows you how. And so did his son Christ when he was here. He showed you how. He said, you must love your, your, yourself, love your, your, your friends, and to the point where you're willing to die for them. And that's a pretty stubborn command. Yeah. I mean, but if we understand the depth and which we have to exhibit love in our daily living, there there would be no hate in our heart. And and it's just unfortunate that, you know, people in the world don't understand that. They they rather focus on build up on homes, build up on nuclear power, build up on the things that, you know, um hurt people and, and kill people, uh, to commit actions over which you know, they have no power in creating. They they rather destroy than create. And that to me is a very, very sad reality. I agree with you. You know what else I noticed? The other day it was really sad. I went into the Bronx to do something and I I don't eat out I don't go into restaurants, but this one particular diner has tables outside and oh. there's nobody there at seven o'clock in the morning and the girl comes out <laughs> and she disinfects the table and the chairs and they know what I want. I don't have to order anything. My heart went out to this poor homeless man that was sitting on the floor there. You couldn't go near him because he blocked the entrance way. And a man came oh. out and told him very nicely to move and he gave him money or whatever he gave him. And I felt so bad because basically the other thing is I noticed, you know, you walk in the street and you don't know who the person is. And growing up, I know that people judge you by the way you look. That if yeah. you're not perfect, if you're not the right color, the right dress, the right ever, considered by their fellows an imperfect endless. How do we learn to not judge people by the way they look? Because a homeless person 
you know, they don't always want to be homeless. Sometimes it just happens, or sometimes they can't help it, and you feel bad yeah. for them. So how do, how do you learn to understand that everybody is entitled to be who they are? And just because I might not be the richest person on this planet, or the I'm skinny now, but I was the heaviest person on the planet, I used to get criticized because I was overweight. I mean, how do you deal with knowing that you have imperfections? Why do people have to bring them out, which is, which is really wrong? You know, you know, it's it's interesting you ask that question, friend. But unless people know how God looks at everyone, then mm-hmm. it's impossible to have that ultimate guide, that that perfect rule book, then, if you will. Because in in His mm-hmm. Word, in His Word, He said that God, He said that others, He said people look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So he's not evaluating us based mm-hmm. on how we look. He is basing us based on what's taking place in our hearts. And I so understand that. When I, I go, we went twice this month to feed the homeless. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I reflect on that particular um, knowledge, piece of knowledge, a lot of the homeless out there are no strangers to God. That is the, that is the most interesting thing because, you know, they'll get some food and they'll tell you, God bless you. Or, or mm-hmm. sometimes you think you have a message for them <laughs> and they have a message for you. They, they actually do. And it is so God-centered and, and so understanding. So I found a lot of the homeless to, to actually be at peace in their environment. It, it, it didn't really matter to them of being homeless so much, but it's, it's how you know, they live while in their, their state of, of homelessness. And some have actually come back from the provisions God has given them. He's taken them off mm-hmm. the street. He's put them in a mm-hmm. different position. Some have jobs now. And they came back just to pay it forward. And and that was, to me, so amazing. Some were coming in cars and, and others on bikes. And, you know, they came to help us. And I all I could do was thank God for them because sometimes mm-hmm. you go and not everyone who's volunteered come out to help. They come up with some other plans of their own. And he sends these homeless people who are, who, who are looking really like everybody else in society now. They're well-dressed. They're clean. They're driving really nice, you know, mm-hmm. automobiles. And they came to help you to feed others who were once like them. It blows my mind, and to me, that's a that's a blessing in disguise. So, you know, to answer your question is, unless people know what God's prescriptives for their lives are, mm-hmm. it says that they, without having faith in Him through His words, He said the Bible said it's going to be impossible to please God. So, we have to think about pleasing the rest of self and mm-hmm. understanding how to please God more. And then once we're able to do that, you know, it, it, it it's impossible. It becomes impossible to hate someone regardless mm-hmm. of how they look or your grievance against them or theirs against you. So such love, the Bible tells us, has no fear because perfect love expects, expels all fears. So if, if love conquers all things, then we we have to learn how to love. The Bible is really strict on love. It says that if that's a hard one. You know, 
Yeah, it says if we if we claim to love one another, you know, mm-hmm. and said I love God but hate a, a, a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar, and that's coming directly from, you know, the Bible because it's mm-hmm. saying, how then can we claim to love someone we can't see and hate the person that we can see? And I got that mm-hmm. from First John four, verse eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. So we have to learn to look beyond the faults of those we sometimes keep on the outside of our fences. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they create a lot of the personal biases that we sometimes harvest. And like you said, you know, we, we, we have to reach out. We have to look beyond those barriers and mm-hmm. reach out in love to our brothers and sisters, regardless of color, regardless of language, regardless of race or other barriers in order to for our our own love to grow. So that's that's you know it, it's it's so interesting, Fran. Um I was when we were in Dubai uh the other day and we went to this place called Butterfly World and um mm. two cats came out two cats came out of the bushes. <laughs> One would not leave me alone. I mean we were walking this very long boardwalk, and this kitty decided that she was going to follow someone, maybe because she was really <laughs> hungry or, you know, overly affectionate or whatever. And my wife was, she said, oh, my God. She said, that cat, I think, wants to pee on your foot. <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> no. I don't think that's the purpose. I said, but watch the, watch the cat very carefully. I said, they always exhibit you know, feelings of, you know, they're always emotional, they're very affectionate, and they always want to be loved. I said, isn't it amazing that despite color, race, creed, religion, despite whatever, I said, he's created the identical characteristics in each of these animals to to teach us something because here I am, a total stranger in in a totally strange land. I've never seen this cat before in my life. And it just comes out rubbing up against your leg because of the affection oh, that comes from its heart. And I was just, for me, that was a learning moment. I was completely, completely mesmerized by that. And it was a learning moment for my wife as well. Because I can imagine. Yeah, she thought that this kitty wanted to to do something, you know, that was against the principles of affection, mm-hmm. against the principles of love, of, of attracting love. And it turned mm-hmm. out that all the cat needed probably was a little food, a little food, and a show of affection. It, it was it was amazing. I said, you know what? If you were to get off the plane in Paris or New York or Florida mm-hmm. or someplace, they always tend to be the same in character. I said, that's how God wants us to be. Because mm-hmm. regardless of race, creed, color, wherever we go, we should be more like these little kitty cats. And it, we, we just laughed. It was it was so amazing to see that. So I just wanted to share that with you. <laughs> I had, you know, it's funny that you should say that because unfortunately, the two cats next door to me, we had house, they, she had house cats. And unfortunately, wow. she's got a new one. I don't even see this one. The two my my two guys passed away. The Pieta was the girl, and Albie was my pal. And most people were afraid of him. 
He was a black cat with green eyes, and he loved to sit on my foot. The minute wow. he saw me in the hall, he would come over and sit on my foot. I go, you want to have a talk? We're going to chat now. This is what you're going to do today. And he would just stand there and listen to me. It was hilarious. <laughs> and if I walked, and if I was walking to the elevator, he followed me. And wow. the, the, my next door neighbor looked at me. And then the other one would come out, and she would run away and go, well, you know, Peter, whatever. Anyway, this is the hardest no, yeah. thing for me yeah. is, is yeah. the next habit, numbers three and four. The hardest one is when you when somebody does something wrong to you, you're supposed to try to forgive them no matter what and not angry, just try to figure out a way to accept it. And that can be hard. And the other thing that I can stand is, and I never use it, I don't like bad language. That drives me crazy. I don't like when people use bad language. There are better ways to express yourself. So how do you deal when somebody really does something awful and hurtful to you how do you how do you expect to forgive them? Because that's a hard one for me. Well, it, it is very difficult for most because yeah. you know we we just have to get a, a deeper understanding of what mm-hmm. God expects. The the thing is, it, you know, we we have learning to forgive someone. We have to now put on the coat of humility. It, it's not a, a, about how badly we've been hurt. It's not about, you know, having that person owing us an apology, but it's about mm-hmm. pleasing God. What mm-hmm. would he want you to do despite the fact that you might have been the one to create the hurt or that person yeah. may have created the hurt for you? You see, the habit of forgiving challenges the individual to discard every ounce of pride, to set aside a worldly ego and to mm-hmm. censor or potentially abrasive attitudes in order to tactfully and out of love for the wrongdoer attempt to make amends, even at the possibility of experiencing rejection. So we, we have to remember that it's not about pleasing self, but it's about pleasing God. So even when we um, forgive someone who we consider has been very abrasive towards us and have hurt our feelings. God is watching us. Um, You know, back in the day, I think you may have remembered when the flood of the earth of um, Mm -hmm. Noah's time was over, God Mm -hmm. said that I will never destroy the earth by water again. He said, I'm going to put my rainbow in the sky to remind humans that that will never happen again. So that, to me, means that when, when the rainbow appears in the sky, that God himself is looking at it um, because it's a promise. It's, it's what we call a covenant between God and man. Even the animals know that. So we have to remember that because of his indwelling Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, his presence is always with us. And if we are mm-hmm. not paying attention to how we behave, I think we become an embarrassment to heaven. You know, people get dressed up and they say, oh, I look Mm -hmm. good or I don't look good. I mean, why seek the approval of people who spend three to four seconds Mm -hmm. in your face when God is there all the time? So we have to remember a heavenly presence is always there and we should always be about pleasing him, not not in our fashion, but in the fashion of our character. 
and mm-hmm. and that is why you know it, it causes us or it calls for us to set aside our worldly ego. We have to always censor ourselves or potentially mm-hmm. abrasive behavior in order to tactfully and out of love for the wrongdoer attempt to make amends, like I said before, even at the possibility of experiencing rejection. So even if that person doesn't accept your apology, you mm-hmm. should be glad knowing that God, the person who you should really be concerned about what he thinks, accepts it. And to me, if, if we can learn to be happy with mm-hmm. you know God's approval, because we're doing what he commands of us, then I think that's fine. It's going to be really up to the person. And and some people go out of their way to try to please that person, to talk about how important it is for them to apologize and to accept the apology. No, 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 no. It's that we should learn to not burden ourselves so much Mm -hmm. if we please God. And that's where some stress comes from in our Mm -hmm. daily living. Because we want to please others. We want to seek their acceptance. We have to let ego go and just think about, is God pleased with what I'm doing right now? And that should come after, if you've hurt someone, your apology. Not necessarily even expecting one from the person who's hurt us if they're not God-connected. Because they, they won't be playing by the same rules as you. So sometimes we expect too much from people who don't even understand what God mm-hmm. wants for the other. So that's where I have placed in the writing is that we have to censor ourselves because we can't change people, but we can change ourselves. And that is where God is coming from, is that through me, you can do all things. And we have to keep that in mind, is that we're able to accomplish anything through him. Drop the ego, drop the self-pride, and you will feel feel better after you do what I ask you to do. So it, it makes the job a lot easier to apologize and to move forward with your life. I have to agree with that. I have to agree with that. But most people don't. Most people are like, why should I apologize to you when you did something to me? Maybe, maybe just because you're a bigger person and maybe because God wouldn't want you to. You're right. So the next mm-hmm. habit, number five, is a tough one, too. Kid, especially for teens and for younger right. kids and even adults, the habit of avoiding evil. Some kids would rather take the wrong path and be with the wrong kids than just because they want to be belong and be accepted. And that's something that you grow up and you wonder, you're in school, and I've always was a perfect student. I was an A student, had the right friends. And why is that a part of some people's daily lives? Why is it that they have to always be with the cool kids or the great kids? Why can't they just be, they don't, they, don't, they don't feel they're accepted for who they are. And that's hard because sometimes parents do that to you too. They'll say, well, you know, this, child, this is great, this kid's great, this kid's great. Why don't you be friends with them? And then the ch- child turns around and says, no, I'm going to do the other way. Why is that? So why do some kids or even adults go for the evil side instead of the positive side, which is wrong? You mean the habit of profanity free speech? Yeah. Yes. You know, it, it, it's very it's very interesting. Um, when I look back at the creation story where mm-hmm. Satan, who was revered as the most beautiful angel mm-hmm. in heaven, 
I mean, I could just imagine, friend, when, you know, he was walking along with the folks, with the other angels there, and God would say, he'd be so proud of him. He'd look at him and say, you know, oh, that's my child. Oh, there goes Satan. Or, you know, with such pride. And then he became so disappointing. And and Mm -hmm. I, I can only imagine that it's because of this same sin, same sin-stained world, the sin-stained environment that we've inherited um, from back then that causes us to want to be accepted to certain cliques or certain groups by doing what they do. Instead of developing, um, you know, a lifestyle, instead of developing a character that is more godlike, uh, we choose to define who we are by inheriting that same sin. Why am I having The same sin-stained existence that that other people, you know, create for us. And and, and it's to me, it's it's a very sinful um, mindset. So we we have to begin first with mm-hmm. the knowledge of what God expects from us, and then you know adhere to those principles. I mean, to me, it, it is extremely admirable and pleasant to the ears when words, a combination of words to express a thought, is used, spoken of you know um, when it's spoken with with. With free, they're free of profanity, and, and people don't understand that it's used with such frequency now that mm-hmm. over the years it has, it has become fashionable and widely accepted, even amongst the highest levels of the educated and society elites. So you know, songs now have them in them. You know, the sad reality, friend, is that you know when all these explosive words are used from someone's mouth towards another it is usually with the intent of degrading the recipient who becomes the yeah. victim of the verbal assault and mm-hmm. what what folks who who consistently engage in this practice fail to remember or fail to understand is that man like themselves was created by god so when you curse another person, when you put them down and, and, and discard, you know, their existence, you're actually doing that to God himself. So, so you know, when, when, you, when you think about it on a, on a, a minuscule mm-hmm. level, God cannot be pleased with your behavior because the entire heaven is watching you. How can you feel comfortable with words like those coming out of your mouth. And it should be painful to the Christian, to the person who feels that they love God and, and, and want to please him. Those words should never come out of your mouth, especially towards someone else. There's just no place for profane words, and especially with frequency to where some people, mm-hmm. for some people it's a sub-language because they use it That's so right. frequently, you know, and, and it's, it's just... You know, it's 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 horrible. It should be horrible when when we go around people who 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 use it. It should be painful to the ear because we know that God is with us. He said, "We're two or three are gathered. I'm there." So if someone is trying to show off in a crowd, 
and God is with you and maybe a bunch of your friends, it is not cool. It is not godly. And right. if we and and we will definitely lose our blessings by, you know, cursing God through others because folks are who He created in His own image. The Bible tells us. So that's how I try to look at it: is who am I to 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 curse God to to His face through another? I have no power to create anything but the steps I take and everything I do comes through him. So I think if we just practice being more thankful or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, just filtering ourselves more about the words we use to either describe or pay a compliment, we're going to find that with that level of consciousness, we will tend to deliver profanity-free speaking and, you know, um, clean up our thoughts so that our words can really give God the honor and the glory he so deserves, even by the way we talk. I mean, I was I was sharing with my wife that, hey, you know, just by complimenting somebody else every day, pay five mm-hmm. compliments and, and 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 after a while you'll you'll start to see changes in in you and um regardless of where you are. You know, that person who serves you coffee, that person who might you know, fix you a meal, mm-hmm. that, that person who, from who you bought some clothes, you know, ask their opinion. Say, hey, not just because they're trying to sell you something, but they're your assistant for the moment. What do you think about these two colors together? Aren't they clashing a bit? Or, mm-hmm. you know, make them feel important. One of the things that I realized even about the homeless is that I, I really practice remembering their first name. Hey, Al, mm-hmm. how are you this month? How are you? And it lifts those people up out of, you know, an existence mm-hmm. that is could, could be potentially sad and, and, and just dark. And when they hear their name called out of the throngs of people, they are so elated. They're so happy. And to me, that is priceless. You know, I remember once I went to sleep downtown on the sidewalk because I really wanted to understand that experience. And I'm telling you, when folks came by early in the morning with a little something to eat, that reality on the sidewalk was a whole big difference when they were able to call someone by name. And I said, wow, this is why Jesus did it. He rem- he, a name is extremely important to him because that's how you're identified among men. Sure, God knows who you are. But when he hears, when someone hears their name among a hundred people, it makes a very, very big difference. And so we have to really practice, you know, edifying God and and being pleasant to to one another because this world by itself is is not a very pleasant place overall by itself. We can't leave that up to people. We have to take charge of that behavior and make them happen for ourselves and ultimately just pleasing God. That's what it's all about. We have a few more minutes left, but before I forget, Wednesday, trinityhouseentertainment.inc.net.com, Rachel and Michael will be here with their new song, Why Do We Have to Wait? They're they're so inspirational, absolutely. On Monday, Mm -hmm. D.P. Lyle will be here with Rigged. And on um, the 10th, uh, Lee Matthew Goldberg with the Ancestors, and on the 12th, 
I've got an unusual panel show. We're going to talk about writing in the past and in the present and in timelines. On the 16th, EP will back, be back with Prior Bad Acts. And on the 23rd, uh, John Lynn will be here with his last. Um, unfortunately, they took it away from him. His Murder, She Wrote, Murder in Season, is probably one of the best Murder, She Wrote series that he's ever done. And I'm sort of disappointed that he's not going to be doing it anymore. And December, well, you never know. I just got an email, and I am totally honored. On the 21st of December, four of the biggest authors will be talking about their anthology. Nothing good happens after midnight. I am so so honored. Heather Graham, John Lesqua, Alan, Alan Jacobson, and the one and only Jeffrey Deaver, who set it up. So I, I'm like in awe that, and I said thank you a million times. It's like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. So we have two more habits that we have time for. One is, how do you become, when when you say something to someone, I, I do that also. I was in the bakery the other day, and this lady had this really cool mask on. I go, like, where did you get that? That is so cool. And she looked at me. And the other day I walked, I was in the street, and I was, like, so surprised. Um, the lady walked over to me. She says, where did you have your hair done? You look fantastic. I said, I appreciate that. You just made my day because it wasn't so great until I saw you. And you know what? Wow. <laughs> that was great. So well, yeah. how, do you, how do you become humble? And the other thing is, why do some people fast a lot and pray? Why, what is the, 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 the significance of that? Because I, I do it on Yom Kippur. I do all day long. It's kind of hard, but I do it. But how does it increase your faith when some people fast? And how often do people do that? Um, well, <clears throat> I'm going to take that second question first. Is okay. Fasting, fasting is is like your quiet time with God. It, it, it is when you disconnect from everything else around you in, in the world that could possibly take your attention away from God. But the key is to combine the habit of fasting with prayer. You know, um, the Bible. Back in the book of Mark, Mark 9, mm-hmm. it, that time it talked about a miracle that God had um, created or Jesus did for this little boy who had a demon inside of him, and he could not get rid of this demon. The, the, the little boy went through great efforts, and so did the disciples. The disciples tried to, and, and look how close they were to, to Christ tried and tried and tried and tried to get this demon out of this little boy, and it just wasn't happening. So he said, Master, tell me. He said, I have tried everything to get this demon from this little boy, and it's just not going away. And God looked at him. Jesus looked at him and answered, This kind cannot come out except by prayer. So when Mm -hmm. we combine fasting and prayer, Mm Believe me, that's where the real power comes in because fasting requires that you you put aside all the problematic distractions Mm -hmm. that could possibly take place. So I look at it as spiritual fasting. Some people fast Mm -hmm. to lose weight. Some people fast for other reasons. But, you know, spiritual fasting is both a physical and spiritual activity in which one engages while communicating with God through prayer, um, by which he or she abstains from eating food. And, and, and that can be such a major distraction. So the Bible talks mm-hmm. about, you know, increasing your faith 
through fasting and it is very um targeted when you know it it talks about you know the different types of fasting um fasting mm-hmm. is not to be done for self glory or to show to others how holy you are unfortunately some people do that so he mm-hmm. cautions us when you, when you fast don't make it obvious like the hypocrites do he says for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting, you know. He said, I tell you the truth, this is the reward that they will ever get, the only reward. That's in Matthew 6:16. So it should never be used as a ceremony or a convenience or a superficial act. So it tells us how we fast and the types of fasting. Um, quickly, I'm going to cover those. Mm-hmm. You have... According to the Bible, this is all biblical, um, it has the Esther fast. The Esther fast, the purpose of the Esther fast or full fast is for protection against danger and facing a great mm-hmm. crisis. This fast has a duration period of three days without food. You can drink water or clear broth. And mm-hmm. my reference for this is F- Esther 4.16 in the Bible. Then you have the, the Paul fast. The mm-hmm. Paul fast is also known as an absolute fast. This deals with major life decisions. Its duration is also three days without food and water. And you'll find us in Acts 9, verse 9. The Ezra fast. This fast is for help to deal with financial challenges, protection, and safety. Ezra 8, verses 21 and 22. This fast has a duration of three days without food. You can have Mm -hmm. water. The Daniel fast. The Daniel fast, otherwise known as a partial fast, is for health and healing. This fast duration is 10 days. During this fast, you should abstain from meat, sweets, bread, and drinks. Eat only vegetables. Drink vegetable juice and or water only. You can choose to fast half, one, two, or three or more days at a time. Mm -hmm. You find this, you know, prescriptive in Daniel 10, verse 2 and 3. Now, that's for, you know, the the smaller of the two fasts that Daniel has. You have the extreme fast. This is another mm-hmm. Daniel fast, also known as the extreme fast, for 21 days. Ooh. Its purpose is for great knowledge and wisdom. During this fast, you should abstain from all flesh, no sweet bread or juice, and using sweet lotions, no perfumes, because the last thing you want to do is bring attention to yourself. You can drink mm-hmm. water, vegetables, you can eat fruits or nuts. And this you'll find in Daniel 1, verse 11. Um, you have a disciples fast. This deals with fasting and praying for people having diverse issues. Issues also described in like Isaiah 58, verses 6 and 7. Mark mm-hmm. 9, verse 29. This fast duration is for three days without food. And the disciples' fast is when you get together with your friends who mm-hmm. are of the same mindset and you guys decide that, hey, we've got serious issues here collectively and we want to, you know, fast together. So you, you decide on the time and the prescriptors for it, and then you guys engage in prayer and fasting. That's all that should take. So. Taking time away from friends, television, sporting activities, and other distractions to immerse yourself in fasting and praying would only ensure a clear, static-free, and 
an effective communication process, and that's the that's that's the purpose, you know, um, for the fasting. And you get results. Um, you get results when you're when you're through with your with your fasting. Biblically, of course. So it is amazing once you start that, and mm-hmm. I, I just I can I can begin to to imagine, and of course, breaking the devil's stronghold. Sometimes the devil shows up in your life, and this is how you get rid of him, guaranteed. So focusing on that, recognizing those issues at times, the Bible tells you you cannot get him out unless except by prayer combined with fasting. So um, to be holy now, Christ expects that, to be humble Mm -hmm. in character. You know, uh, he talks about, he said, it's God's purpose for us to be prosperous and to enjoy the results of our labor. But when we hurt others by saying or doing things that are unfair, greedy, or spiteful for whatever reason, collecting trinkets, property, or positions of influence, regardless of importance, when acquired without God's approval or blessing, is a complete waste of effort and time. Someone Mm. coined the phrase that, you know, I don't think you've ever seen a hearse going to the, the funeral site, the grave site, with someone's U-Haul truck uh, attached to the back of their automobile. You can't take mm-hmm. it with you. It has no life. Yet people spend a lifetime trying to obtain things that take away from the potentially humble character that they could be or become. Mm-hmm. And that is... That is not the way to go to heaven. That is not the way to even lay still in the grave until God comes back because heaven is already rich with those things. So those are like my antidotes, friends, for, you know, being humble in character and definitely fasting with prayer comes through, you know, um, these, these Bible prescriptives and Humility automatically takes place when we when we start to learn how to fast um, spiritually, biblically, and the way God. We wants have to about fast. two minutes left. So, what is next for you? What are you writing next that I'm going to get? And where can everybody get these besides Amazon, which I everybody knows? Okay. Great question. I've actually uh, broken them out into eBooks now. So if uh-huh, yeah. someone were to go. Go to the ebook store on Amazon. I think they're like four or five dollars only. They can go mm-hmm. to Amazon to the Kindle store, and it's okay. downloadable, and um, it really focuses on these things. So, I, I would strongly, um, you know, just encourage folks looking for it is to go to the Kindle store because it's it's now available, you know, um, on 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 that foundation of or that platform of um, of Amazon. And I'm so happy that it is because a lot of people have been asking about, you know, when are you going to create some e-books because they want to catch things on the fly in a very targeted way. So this is there. And I'm thankful for those who go out and pick up my e-book. And hopefully I'll get a good uh, review so that others can, you know, benefit from that as well. Um, I did make the book also benefits of obedience i actually mm-hmm. um you know made that book the entire book into an ebook because mm-hmm. 
a lot of people are saying, well, on the old cover, what kind of obedience are you talking about? So I had to retool that and write the benef- everlasting mm-hmm. benefit, godly obedience. I have that in front of me. Yeah, not not dog training, <laughs> not any other type of obedience, but godly obedience. And next on my plan are to, you know, have the books translated into um, like Urdu and Punjabi and, you know, a lot of different um, languages that I noticed the Asian culture are, you know, very interested in acquiring. So translations are next. And I also will have um, audiobooks, audiobooks online, probably in about four weeks that, you know, um, folks can go and acquire those while you're listening for easy listening on your phone or your smart devices. So that is that is fantastic. And um, thank you. What, what am I going to say? Uh, I'm doing the show, everybody, because you know this pandemic has really taken its toll on a lot of people. So on November 30th, psychotherapist Dennis Palumbo and I are going to talk about fear and isolation, stress and anxiety and people and how to deal with that. I'm trying to do yeah. things that are going to be more helpful for people, but I want to thank you. When you have another book or you want to talk about something else, just let me know. Seriously? Because this this is, this is important. The show is now live, so anybody could listen right now. Everybody could listen. Amazing. You've you got to stay safe. And I'm going to tell you some, one last thing. I saw this yeah. on the highway the other day. And I think this is very important. I got a kick. I, I just looked at it. It was a sign that said, just one little ask, please wear a mask. I thought that was wow. just so, yeah. That, w- that was perfect. It's on every single, as we're coming from the Bronx to come up here to Westchester, just one little ask, please wear a mask. Because you'll be saving my life, and I'm wearing mine yeah. to save yours because it's so Amen. important. Thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate it. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you.